by Adamer Hashem al Moshe Behar Sinai Lemar. The end of Sefer Vayikra sets the stage at Har Sinai. It was apparently at Har Sinai where Hashem communicated the laws of Shemitah, the sabbatical year of the land. And similarly, it was apparently at Har Sinai where the terms and the conditions of our observance of Shemitah and the Torah at large were presented. Of course, that alone could not justify the Torah's specification of the setting, because after all, we know that all of the mitzvahs of the Torah were communicated at Har Sinai. Thus Rashi famously asked, Mo'in Shemitah et Har Sinai? What has Shemitah got to do with Har Sinai? Now, full answer to this question would have to justify and reveal the reason for a linkage between these seemingly unrelated topics. The problem is that Shemitah and Har Sinai, at first glance, have little to do with each other. This issue is bolstered when we consider the quite considerable distance between Har Sinai and Shemitah. Now, what do I mean by that? Granted, Shemitah was taught at Har Sinai, but once again, as was every other mitzvah. But when would Shemitah actually become relevant? Certainly not when the Bnei Israel were at Har Sinai. On a biblical level, Shemitah only exists in Eretz Yisrael, obviously nowhere near Har Sinai. It is for this reason that many of the Mepharshim, C.A. Ben Ezra and Svarno, for example, they point out that the Parsha of Shemitah was pushed off all the way to the end of Sefer Vayikra because now the Bnei Israel were preparing to actually enter Eretz Yisrael when Shemitah and the consequences that are enumerated in Bichel Kosai would actually be relevant. Otherwise, Ibn Ezra tells us that perhaps the laws of Shemitah really did not belong here, but at Har Sinai in Parshish Mishpatim. Now, if all of the above is true, then why would the Torah go to such efforts to bridge this wide gap between the site of Har Sinai and the Israel-exclusive mitzvah of Shemitah? But perhaps that is precisely the point. Indeed, there is a considerable gap between Har Sinai and Shemitah, between the wilderness and the land of Israel. And because of that gap, one might just be lulled into the false sense of security, as it were, that the events of Har Sinai and the obligations of the covenant that we forged there, we might think, are just a thing of the past. After all, one day, as a nation, we would exit the clouds of glory, we would enter the lands of Israel, and eventually we would begin to live normal lives. And perhaps, for some time, we would observe the rules and regulations of Shemitah. But when the going gets tough, who knows? And the answer to that rhetorical question is that actually we do know what will happen when Shemitah and the Torah at large are neglected and violated. And not only do we know, but the Torah informs us in Parshas Bichu Kosai what would happen. And in history, we as a nation have the great misfortune of experiencing it in real time. In this vein, perhaps we could better understand the epic depiction of Mamad Har Sinai as is pre- described and presented in the Gemara in Shabbos, that Hashem uprooted Har Sinai and held it over the Bnei Israel like a massive wine barrel or a vat and warned us, if you accept my Torah, then all is well. But if not, then there will be your grave. What exactly is the message? We know that the Bnei Israel were prepared to accept the Torah with overwhelming enthusiasm and faith. The attitude of Na'asev and Ishma, we will do and we will listen and we will do and we will understand. Why was any extra coercion necessary? And what exactly does the Gemara mean when it suggests that Hashem threatened that Shem there will be your grave? Was he literally about to drop the mountain on them? Moreover, why would he specify that there will be your grave? Should it not have been here will be your grave? Now there are many answers to these questions, but perhaps a most basic answer emerges from Bahar Bichukosai.
The seemingly coercive threat at Har Sinai was in fact not a threat at Har Sinai, but it was a reality for the Bnei Israel in all generations, in all times, and in all places. Wherever we go, Har Sinai and the Sinaitic Covenant follow us. Even when we are far away from the wilderness of Sinai, we will still always be there at Har Sinai. The uprooted mountain hovers over us every single moment of our lives. And although at a single moment in time we may be inspired and motivated to serve Hashem with utmost devotion, declaring and pledging our dedication at the top of our voice, that does not necessarily mean that we will keep up with that dedication when the going gets tough and we are uninspired. The Tocha in Bichukosai is not just a list of punishments, but it is a contract which we signed at Har Sinai. It is the hovering mountain that reminds us that if we do not act upon the dedication which we all intrinsically have, then there will be our grave. Not here or the place where we choose to give up, but there, the precise location where we pledged in the first place to be dedicated. It will be at Har Sinai where we will have failed Hashem. Our very inspiration at Har Sinai will have failed us if we fail to act on that inspiration and concretize it into something real for life in the future. If we fail to quote-unquote die on that mountain, as it were, then our inspiration will die under that mountain. Because if we don't live according to that inspiration, then what purpose has it served us? As Shavuos approaches, not just the memory, but the reality of Har Sinai should continue to hover over our heads and not just remind us of the inspiration we had and the dedication we once pledged, but that the terms of our covenant are forever intact. And if we make the efforts to accept Hashem's Torah every day of our lives, then indeed all will be well. Yerel Bezocha, to harness the inspiration of Har Sinai, truly accept the Torah and merit all of the good that comes with the fulfillment of Hashem's Torah, and we should experience only that good with the coming of Mashiach, Meir Bimeinu.